الحمد لله الحمد لله وكفى والصلاه والسلام على عباده الذين اصطفى اما بعد فاعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم قل ان كنتم تحبون الله فاتبعوني يحببكم الله ويغفر لكم ذنوبكم والله غفور رحيم وقال النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم كل امتي يدخلون الجنه الا من ابى قيل ومن يابى يا رسول الله قال من اطاعني دخل الجنه ومن عصاني فقد ابى او كما قال النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم وسبحت بالله الكريم اللہ تبارک و تعالی میڈ رسول اللہ صلی اللہ علیہ وسلم دا موسٹ پرفیکٹ ایگزامپل اینڈ میڈ ہیز مبارک وے آف لائف دا پاتھ ٹو جنت اینی پرسن ہو فالوز ان دوز مبارک فٹ اسٹیپس دین ہی از آن دا پاتھ ٹو جنت نقش قدم نبی کے ہے جنت کے راستے اللہ سے ملاتے ہیں سنت کے راستے ان دی فٹ اسٹیپس آف نبی صلی اللہ علیہ وسلم فالوئنگ آف رسول اللہ صلی اللہ علیہ وسلم از آبلیگیٹری اپون اس ان ایوری فیسٹ آف لائف دا اتباع آف رسول اللہ اینڈ ٹو دا ایکسٹینٹ دا پرسن وڈ ٹرائی ٹو get closer to the sunnah in every aspect of life whether it's in his ibadat whether his muamalat his muasharat his akhlaq any aspect of life he is trying his utmost to get closer to the mubarak pattern of rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam to that extent he is getting closer to nabi sallallahu alaihi wasallam himself and plus getting closer to allah taala so often the ittiba of the sunnat gets confined to some things and a person fulfilling those few actions sometimes thinks that well i am done i am accomplished i have done whatever is necessary but that is not accomplished if it is just confined to the certain parts of life among the things that have been mentioned in the shamail in the ahadith pertaining to the life of rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam are many many details but regarding nabi sallallahu alaihi wasallam one of the things mentioned is qad taraka nafsuhu min salath that rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam had restricted himself from three things he had completely held himself back from three things in other words these three things were totally far away from him he had nothing to do with it there was no link between him and these aspects at all and keeping in mind what we just discussed that the ittiba of rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam is in every aspect of life so it will pertain to these aspects as well so to the extent that a person brings himself closer to all the aspects including these he'll get closer to nabi sallallahu alaihi wasallam So these three aspects that are mentioned that these three aspects were very far away from him he had nothing to do with it he had totally refrained himself from these things 
The three things are Al-Mira Wal-Ikbar Wa Ma'la Ya'ni Al-Mira Mira refers to arguments Disputes Quarreling Rasulullah Sallallahu had no space for this In his Mubarak life There was no space for this If something somebody had done Which was against the command of Allah Ta'ala Something that had to be corrected In terms of deen Then obviously Rasulullah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam That was his uh, Mission And that was his obligation Allah Tabarak Wa Ta'ala had sent him as a Guide to mankind So he immediately corrected that But When something hadn't crossed the line Something was within the limits of Shariat and Deen Then he let it pass If it caused any kind of personal Taklif, difficulty Some kind of inconvenience to himself These things were let to pass It didn't bother him It didn't make any Effect on him Didn't cause any kind of uh, Disturbance in his Manner and way He let it pass and this their lives that what Rasulullah left out they left out so if something had to be corrected because it was not in accordance to Allah Ta'ala's commands it had crossed the line of deen that was corrected that was not allowed to now continue but personally for personal situations Nabi Islam never made that an issue he never allowed that to become a bother to him to the extent that even his noble wives with those who were around him all the time his khadim and his servant Sayyidina Anas radiallahu ta'ala with complete strangers with newcomers with people who had because they didn't know better and for the first time they came and made some major blunders and with what love and muhabbat and shafqat he taught them then we will see this beautiful picture of this akhlaq of Rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam and this beautiful picture of how to conduct oneself wasallam. so therefore they applied this in their lives in the time of Sayyidina Umar ibn Khattab radiallahu ta'ala there was a sahabi Amr ibn Sa'ad radiallahu ta'ala very, a person very prominent in his piety he appointed him as the governor of Shims so when he was told that you have to now take on this position and post so eventually he accepted but he said look on one condition I will not take one cent any material benefit for fulfilling this responsibility nevertheless he was appointed he started off his responsibility there were many Christians also living in the area under his governorship so as long as they accept to pay the tax and to accept the laws of the Muslims in terms of their of the social life and other things in their personal life they were allowed to do what they have to do or what they wanted to do but they had to stay under the rule of the Muslims and within those confines and restrictions so if they accepted that and they paid the jizya they were allowed to carry on with life they weren't forced to do anything else up to them then so there were many Christians also living in this area so one day, whatever might have happened, 
some Christian subject of his now, he is the governor. And in saying something to him, he uttered this statement also, that may Allah Ta'ala disgrace you. This was the statement and he is saying it to who? To a Christian. Who is the subject now of that area that he is the governor of. And he made this statement to him, may Allah curse you. May Allah Ta'ala disgrace you. He said it and that moment passed. Then after a while it struck him that did you have the right to make this comment and did you have the right to say this, these words to him? What right did you have? Can you find any Shari'i basis for saying this? So he thought and carried on thinking. Can we imagine what would we blurt out and what kind of comments we make to people, what kind of hurtful things we say and what kind of emotional distress we put people into. But did he ever stop to think what I said? He didn't stop any time to ponder over the words we've said. Now he made one statement and that statement to a Christian subject. And by chance, on, out of the blue, something just came out once. In a million things that were said, one thing came out like this. Now he's thinking and thinking and after a while he realized, no, I didn't have any basis to make this kind of a comment. This was not in order, this was uncalled for. So when he came to this conclusion, and now when a person is sincerely searching, one is a person wants to sometimes ask for mashwara, so he asks for the mashwara from somebody, whoever, but in such a way that he can extract the answer that he wants. So therefore it gets presented in a way that, well, see this is something now, I need to do this, I need to go here, and because it's such a desperate situation now, if I don't have this, or I don't do this, then the whole world will turn upside down. So now anybody who is giving him mashara will tell him, Bhai, please don't turn the world upside down. Please carry on with what you have to do. Because now if the world is going to turn upside down, you might as well keep it right side up. So now he's already presented the situation in such a way, that look, there is no other option. Pondering to get the answer that will appease his own conscience in some way. To appease himself. So now he'll find something or other to appease himself. That after all, this person is not even a mu'min. So what wrong does it, what does it matter? Let it be. And if, supposing that didn't come to mind, you see, well, these people, they have something in the heart against us. So, well, he deserved it. If I said it to him, it doesn't matter. Now, because we're looking for something to try and appease our conscience, so we'll find it. There's enough, there's no shortage of finding something. Some way or the other, pull it out of the air also, it'll come out. Even if there's nothing there, it'll come out. Because the person, whether he'll be able to give this answer on the day of Qiyamah. On the day of Qiyamah, it's not what I decide, how we decide to twist something, or how we might decide to present something that will... Allah Ta'ala is the knower of the unseen, Allah Ta'ala knows everything. Allah Ta'ala knows us better than we know ourselves. يَعْلَمُ خَائِنَةَ الْأَعْيُنُ وَمَا تُخْفِ الصُّدُورِ Allah Ta'ala knows the deception of the eye, and what the hearts conceal. Nothing can be hidden from Allah Ta'ala. So now he was looking within himself with this consciousness of the day of Qiyamah in front and the answerability to Allah Taala, and giving an account of one's deeds, of one's actions, of one's words, of one's deliberate thoughts, one's intentions. So now he came to the conclusion, no, no, there's no basis for this. This was unjustified, it was wrong. So he came back to Madina Munawara, appointed somebody in his place for the time being, came back to Madinah Munawara, came to Hazrat Umar ibn Khatib, 
it would not have come to the point where I would have made such an uncalled for comment to this person. But now I was in that position and that position probably brought some kind of that authority in me and because of that authority now I vented that authority wrongly. I vented that authority wrongly. What wrongly? He said a disbeliever, he made a comment against a disbeliever, against a Christian subject and he said to him, may Allah curse you, Allah disgrace you. This was the statement he made. And now so much of soul searching and then coming to this conclusion and he came and handed his resignation. I can't have anything to do with this post and position anymore because I abused this authority. I abused this authority. It became a means of me making a wrong statement against somebody. Of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa I can't get involved in causing any kind of harm and taklif to anybody. That aspect of mira and being far away from disputes and arguments stems from the same thing. Not giving any kind of taklif to anyone. Rather being the person with the heart full of well-wishing for everyone. Taking everybody else's pain but giving no pain back. One person, one great buzrug was one day And Ya Allah, on my account, don't ever please punish him. And then he said some couplets. Now the couplets are in Farsi, in Persian, which are not, the words are not in mind now. But the, the meaning of those couplets were, said, Ya Allah, whoever has thrown thorns in my path, let their flowers bloom forever. Ya Allah, whoever has thrown thorns in my path, let their flowers bloom forever. And some other couplets in similar vein, similar kind of meaning. Ya Allah, whatever this person did, I have forgiven it. But Ya Allah, you, and whoever, th- whoever throws thorns in my path, Ya Allah, you make the flower of their life bloom without any thorns in it. Now, this is that heart. This is that heart which was the heart that was getting closer to Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. That no taklif to anybody. Hazrat Sheikh, Saadi Rahmatullah he writes one incident talking about this heart. What kind of hearts the Ahlullah had? Their hearts were, they were overcome with this one hadith of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. And Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam says, Al-Khalqu Iyalullah. Fa'ahabbu al-Khalqi ilallahi man ahsana ila iyalihi. That the khalq, the makhluk, the creation, this is the family of Allah Ta'ala. Allah Ta'ala is totally free of any partner, any child. Allah Ta'ala doesn't have any family like we understand it. This is a figurative expression. It's a family of Allah Ta'ala. Allah Ta'ala's creation. Allah Ta'ala created all. So like a person has a family, the family is very dear to him, the family is close to him. Allah Ta'ala's creation. Allah Ta'ala loves his creation. So Allah Ta'ala's creation, and it's his prerogative how he deals with his creation. But the whole creation is Allah Ta'ala's family. So, فَأَحَبُّ الْخَلْقِ إِلَى اللَّهِ مَنْ أَحْسَنَ إِلَىٰ عِيَالِهِ That the most beloved of all the people to Allah Ta'ala are those who are good to the family of Allah Ta'ala. Those who are good to the family of Allah Ta'ala, they are the most beloved to Allah Ta'ala. Now the Ahlullah become sometimes overcome by this consciousness. that Every person, let alone every family person, Every near and dear one, every stranger, every believer, let alone every believer, every human being, let alone every human being, even the animals and creatures. 
And all these are the makhluk of Allah Ta'ala. So I must never ever become the means of giving pain to any makhluk of Allah Ta'ala. I have to digest somebody's pain, let it be. But I should never ever become the means of giving somebody else a taklif. And being insan, if I slip up somewhere, I must make amends for it quickly, sort it out, not leave that hanging over my head. I need to become the best person to everyone. So Sheikh Saadi Rahmatullah writes regarding one incident. Now these people, that's not necessarily something that is now compulsory on every person to uh, go about life in this manner. But these, this was that high standard these people set. One person broke into the house of one Buzrug. One pious person, he broke into his house to steal something. Now he's searching that house was empty. He's searching all, walking every corner, it's in the dark. He's trying to put his hand, lay his hand on anything. But there's nothing there. That house was empty. So while he was busy, that pious person was either resting or he was performing salah. He realized in the darkness somebody is inside here. And he realized what this person is up to. This person has come to steal something. But now he is battling to find something to steal. He can't find anything to steal. So now this crossed his mind that this person is trying to steal something and he can't find something to steal. So that blanket which he was covering himself with. It was a cold night. So he was covering himself with that blanket. So he took that blanket without making it known that he is awake, he is aware of what's going on. Very, very silently he took that blanket and threw it in the pathway of that thief. Now as he's going out, he'll, he'll kick over this, so he'll feel it, and he'll take this and go away. Because this person has come in for something. How can I let him go empty-handed? Now, he might be wondering which world this person is living in. And the thieves might be wondering why such people don't live in this zamana. But this was the heart, that this heart was overcome with that any case, no matter, doesn't matter what this person came for. As mentioned earlier, this is not something that we are expected to come to this level of things and to this standard. But this was a heart, nevertheless. It was a heart that was so overcome. It was maghlubul hal. So maghlubul hal is not necessarily somebody that ittiba is supposed to be made of a maghlubul hal person. But that hal is nevertheless something Allah Ta'ala is very pleased with that, that condition of that heart. That this is the feeling of that heart. He threw something in the pathway of that thief. So the thief finally found it, picked it up and went away. Now, Sheikh Sadi Rahmatullah writes this incident. And after writing this incident, then he now, he writes one couplet thereafter. And he says, Shunidam ke mardane rahe khuda. That we've heard that the people who are traversing the path of Allah Tabaraka wa ta'ala, dile dushmana ham na kardan tang. They don't even cause pain to the hearts of their enemies. That we've heard that the people who are traversing the path of Allah Ta'ala, they're trying to get close to Allah Ta'ala, they don't even hurt the hearts of their enemies. And then he adds the next line to it, that, uh, where you are going to be able to get this position, Turake mayasar shawad e maqam ke ba dostanat khilafast wa jang that even with your friends you are fighting even with those who are very close to you are fighting these people don't cause harm to the hearts of their enemies you're fighting with your wife the whole day you're fighting with your parents you're fighting with your near and dear ones you're fighting with your neighbors you're fighting with anyone and everyone 
how are you going to be able to get to that path where these people have traversed? People who traverse and try to get close to Allah Ta'ala, they're not giving pain and difficulty and taklif even to the hearts of their enemies. You fighting with your friends, where are you going to get that? What was this meant to be? It was meant to be a lesson. It was meant to be a lesson that, look, you want to get there also, you're going to have to change your way. You're going to have to change the manner you think. You're going to have to change the feeling of your heart. You're going to change that heart into a heart and fill it with compassion. Fill it with kindness. Fill it with sympathy. Fill it with empathy. Fill it with all these things that bring a person closer to Allah. Because these are the things that Allah Ta'ala loves. Allah Ta'ala loves these qualities. And on the other side, it's all the opposite. Sometimes a person, mashallah, is performing his salah, he's making a lot of wazaif, a lot of tasbihat, alhamdulillah, summa alhamdulillah. But at the same time, there's taklif all the time to people around, the near and dear ones, whoever, all that is washed away. But we feel very good about ourselves, that mashallah, I'm doing excellence. But where are we? One person, his wife was really giving him a hard time. And every day there was some problem or the other she was giving him. Gradually this became known among others also. That this is an ongoing problem. So when people became aware that how severe this is also. So one person came with a lot of concern. And he said to him that look how much are you going to bear this? Other call it a day now. Enough is enough. So this person again had that kind of heart. He had that kind of heart. So he replied and said, look, this is a very easy thing what you are telling me to do. You can get it done and be over with it. But have you thought about it, that after I get rid of her as you are asking me to do that, I'll divorce her and that be the end of it. But then there will be one of two situations. One situation is either that she will never be able to get married again. Nobody will get married to her. So then she will be in a major problem. She will be in a severe plight. And if somebody else does get married to her, and that person is going to be in a problem. So now it's going to be one of the two of them. Rather I take the problem on myself. Rather I take it, life is short. Rather I become the means of saving the Muslims and the Ummatis of Rasulullah from the problem. Now this was a heart. Not that a person, if he cannot manage something, is now under obligation to now, no matter what happens, his Allah has made certain things as a means of overcoming a difficulty. If it's not manageable, it's not manageable. But obviously there are various processes and procedures to come to that point. It's not something willy-nilly that a person now, just he lost his temper now, he starts issuing talaq, and one small thing happened now, he's just, which has become unfortunately like a kind of fashion. It's not a plaything. Talaq is a very, very serious thing. It shakes the arsh of Allah, tabaraka wa ta'ala. So in any case, this was the heart he had. So now he's saying that one of these two issues, either this or that, are you asking me to just get done with it? Very easy to do that. But let me rather become the means of saving other Muslims from the difficulty. But this stems again from that same thing. This aspect that is mentioned in this Hadith Sharif. This was the jazbah of Rasulullah Not to give taklif to anyone. After all, he taught this lesson. He never ever gave anybody any kind of difficulty. Undue difficulty was never given to even animals and so this, this kind of heart to be developed, that no matter what the situation, Bayezid Bustami was one day returning from somewhere, from the Qabristan, and as he's coming along, one person was playing some like a drum, but this like one-ended drum, barbat. So now he's 
tapping the thing and he's coming along. So as and he was in a drunken state as well, as it as he's passing, he recited La Hawla wa la quota illa billah. This person is now openly, blatantly now committing this sin and carrying on. And this person overheard him too. When he overheard him, as it is, he was in that intoxicated state of his and he had no idea who he is passing and who he is talking to or whatever. He took that instrument that he had, something like a drum, musical drum, and he hit it on his head. And he hit it with such force that drum broke, it went into, that his head went into it. And it injured him, he started bleeding. So, any case that person did this and carried on, Abdullah came away home. So the next day, he made some inquiries, who was this youngster? So any case that message somehow, they found out who was the person and they came and told him it was so and so. So he took some money and he tied it in a cloth, called somebody, one of his friends, put that money in a cloth and gave it to him. And then he gave him some sweet meat, some mitai. And then he told him, take it and go back to this person, to this youngster. And go and tell him, number one, it was because of me that that instrument of yours got destroyed. Because you hit it on my head. So now it broke because it got hit on my head. Now we might be thinking that this is, I don't know what kind of thinking this is, this is gone opposite direction. Should have been taking another thing and hitting it on that person's head. He's saying, no, it broke because it got hit on my head. So this is now to replace it. And then obviously when it broke, you felt some grief over that too. Your item got broken, so you felt some grief. So this sweet meets this mitai, this is to compensate for that grief you felt. Now when that person received this, he was completely melted. He came and asked for forgiveness when he realized who the person was to. He didn't even remember who it was because he had no idea at that time. And he came and made sincere toba and he said, never I'm going to ever play such a thing again. And the group of friends that he had, they also got to know about this. They came along with him and they all came and made toba at the hands of Bayezid Bustami and Never we're going to get involved in these vices and sins again. Now, outwardly it might have seen that what kind of thing this is. He's giving the person money to go buy another haram instrument. No, no, these people had a greater insight than we have. He wasn't giving him anything to go buy anything haram. That was just the unwan. It was just the pretext. But it melted the person's heart completely. But what melted the heart? It wasn't just something outwardly that was done. It was done with something from the depth of the heart. The feeling of the heart was what was infused in this action. Otherwise, many things happen in the world. For political reasons, people show all the greatest compassion to some child also, and to some people also. But behind it all, a political motive. All to score some points somewhere, to get some votes somewhere. So all these things happen in the world all the time. But where it happens with that heart, with that sincerity, with that true compassion, with that real zeal to be closer to Allah wa ta'ala, to be earning the pleasure of Allah ta'ala, to get closer to Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa that zeal and that enthusiasm of the heart, that is what transfers into this action. And this is what then impacts on the heart of the opposite party. Imam Abu Hanifa, there was a neighbor. And that neighbor, he was a shoemaker. But throughout the night, he used to be in his drunken state and he used to be shouting and making some noise and singing some poetry and keep singing Ada'uni wa ayya fatan ada'u that they, people just wasted me. What a youngster they wasted. I was of such good help. I could have been a means of such good work. But they just wasted me. Meaning nobody took any notice of me. So now this was his 
keep making this noise and people all got sort of just didn't bother about him. Imam Sahib was his neighbor, so obviously night in, night out this disturbance. One day he did something and got arrested. And he was in that state of his and wherever he got arrested. That night there was no noise, no everything was silent, quiet. The next morning Imam Hanifa Rahmatullah inquires that what happened last night? We didn't hear any noise. Everything was very quiet. So the people who knew about it, they came and answered and said that, well, actually this person got arrested. He's in jail. Whatever, maybe he was now making a disturbance in public somewhere else, and the police came and took him away. As soon as Imam Hanifa Rahmatullah heard about this, he immediately woke up. And he went straight to the the police chief or whoever the person was responsible and he came and he said look there's a neighbor of mine that you all have arrested I've come to intercede on his behalf and otherwise maybe if there's some fine to pay whatever the issue is let me sort it out and please release him so when he came he was well known as the person of the, the great imam of the time so that police chief also as soon as he saw him he woke up with great honor and respect and he took him by the hand and made him sit down and then he inquired that you've come all the way you should have called for me what is the work what is the need Imam presented this that I've come to intercede on behalf of my neighbor so he got a shock he said you should have just sent somebody with that message I would have done the necessary he said no I've come to intercede on his behalf he said no problem whatever it is we'll sort it out meaning that whatever has to be sorted out if there's a fine there's something to whatever it might have been we'll take care of it and we'll release him so that youngster he went and brought him out immediately and came. And he says to him that this is the person that has become the means of your release. So therefore now you express your thanks to him. Express your gratitude to him. So before he said anything, Imam Ali took his hand and because of that, just in a kind of light-hearted manner, that couplet he used to keep singing about himself, Ada'uni, Ada'uni, they forgot me and everybody just wasted me. So Imam Sahib caught his hand and says, I didn't forget you. So he felt a bit embarrassed in a sense that how much of taklif he was giving day in and day out, every night putting him through all this problem and disturbance. And here the man comes personally to intercede on his behalf. Then he goes home. He says, now you'd rather go home. Your family might be in a real, uh, they might be very, very grieved that you now were arrested. So now whatever it is, but the person's family is his family. So they're going to be hurt, they're going to be grieved, they were not knowing what's going on. You rather go home so that they can see you, they're happy about seeing you back home safe and sound. Uh, he's concerned about his family not being in grief. So he sent him home. Now when he sent him home, he came home himself. He came home and he called to his son Hamad. He said, bring 10,000 gold coins. Ali was a merchant as well. He was busy with his... Uh, work of deen all the time but he had his agents doing his business he was a very wealthy merchant he said bring 10,000 gold coins wrapped it in some cloth or in a bag whatever and he said go and give it to him that you were imprisoned for this two days or whatever it is so you suffered a loss because he was a shoemaker so there was some business he was doing but now in two days how much he is going to earn out of shoemaking he gave him 10,000 gold coins that you suffered a loss, now let this be a compensation for the loss you suffered. That person came and fell to the feet of Imam Hanifa Rahmatullah I will never ever get involved in these intoxicants again and shouting and causing a disturbance to the people and becoming a source of pain for my family. I will now be inshallah very very uh, uh, diligent with my obligations of deen 
And then he became very uh, punctual in the majlis of Imam Hanifa rahmatullahi and gradually became quite learned in deen also. Now this was the way in which they dealt with these situations. This was the kind of heart they had. This is what they, how they dealt with people. So now this is, let alone one's own near and dear ones. These are strangers. These are people who are causing taklif. But even the person causing taklif, they dealt with him in this manner. So what about those who are doing so much of ihsan upon us in so many different ways? Then there's sometimes some ups and downs anyway and everywhere. But this was the way that Rasulullah taught. He himself stayed away from all kinds of disputes. It came from the same jazbah. Not giving anybody else any taklif. Al-Mira wal-Ikbar totally far away from every iota of pride. And because he had this total humility, this total humility was what brings about the first part. When a person is completely humble, then he's far away from disputes and arguments also. Then he doesn't, he doesn't take notice of who said what and what kind of comment was made and he just lets it pass. It means nothing to him. But if that hum- humility is not there, then everything becomes an issue. Then a person becomes enraged about why you said this and what right you had to say this and all the things then start, one after the other. And then his whole demeanor gets changed over one word, one comment. But now to the extent of that humility, this is a, doesn't mean anything. So while Iqbar, Rasulullah had no pride whatsoever, not an iota of pride. He was the epitome of humility. At the peak of humility. He was at the peak of every aspect of akhlaq. And obviously, tawazu and humility, this is among the most prominent aspects of akhlaq. So Rasulullah was at the height of tawazu as well. Totally humble. With anyone and everyone. With slaves. With his azwaj mutahharat, his wives. What humility. In what a humble way, what a loving and affectionate way he would deal with them. Despite being the Nabi of Allah Taala, despite being the greatest of Allah Taala's creation, what a maqam and position, Sayyidul Anbiya Iwar Rusul, but yet humbling himself in such a manner. And giving comfort to everybody, giving comfort to one and all, and going out of his way to give comfort to others. So Al-Ikbar, not having any iota of pride, and staying far away from Allah Ya'ni, staying far away from anything and everything futile. One is haram, there is no space for haram. That is out of the question. There isn't any way that can be imagined. But not even anything futile. It's not haram, but not anything constructive or productive in any way. Neither in deen nor in dunya also. Just waste of time, futile. Rasulullah had no space for futility in his life. So likewise, those who want to get closer to Allah Taala, in husni islam il mar this is part of the perfection of a person's iman that he gives up and forsakes futility futile things to the extent that futile things will be in the way that will become the stepping stone to haram it starts off from layani from futility the next step is into haram so these are the things Rasulullah said far away we are also very hopeful that we can be close to him on the day of qiyamah we are desirous of that we want to be resurrected together with Rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam to the extent that we will bring his mubarak way of life in our lives 
in all aspects, whether it's ibadat, mu'amalat, mu'asharat, akhlaq, to that extent we'll get closer to him, and inshallah, with the barakat of this Allah ta'ala will raise us on the day of qiyamah together with Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa and make us among those who will receive his shafaat, Allah ta'ala give us the tawfiq, wa'akhiru da'wana and alhamdulillahi rabbil alam. Make zikr for a few moments. لا إله إلا الله محمد رسول الله صلى الله تبارك وتعالى عليه وعلى آله وأصحابه وأصحابه وبارك وسلم تسليما كثيرا كثيرا يا ربي صل وسلم دائما أبدا على حبيبك خير الخلق كلهم جز الله عنا نبينا محمدا صلى الله عليه وسلم بما هو أهله لا إله إلا الله 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 محمد رسول الله صلى الله تبارك وتعالى عليه وسلم دل میرا ہو جائے ایک میدان ہو تو ہی تو ہو تو ہی تو ہو تو ہی تو غیر سے بالکل ہی اٹھ جائے نظر تو ہی تو آئے نظر دیکھو جدر اور میرے تن میں بجائے آب و گل درد دل ہو درد دل ہو درد دل نفس و شیطان دونوں نے مل کر ہائی کیا ہے مجھ کو تباہ اے میرے مولا میری مدد کر چاہتا ہوں میں تیری پناہ مجھ سا خلق میں کوئی نہیں گو بد کردار ناماسیاں 
تو بھی مگر غفار ہے یا رب بخش دے میرے سارے گناہ اب تو رہے بس تادم آخر ارد زبائیں میرے انا لا الہ الا اللہ 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 محمد الرسول اللہ صلی اللہ تبارک و تعالی علیہ وسلم اللہ اللہ جل جلالہ عم نوانہ اللہ 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 لا الہ محمد الرسول اللہ صلی اللہ تبارک و تعالی علیہ وسلم اللہم لکا الحمد کلہ و لکا شکر کلہ اللہم لا نحسی ثناء علیک انت کما اثنیت علی نفسک جز اللہ عنا نبینا محمد صلی اللہ علیہ وسلم بما هو اہلو یا ربی صلی وسلم دائما ابدا علی حبیبک خیر الخلق کلہم ربنا ولمنا انفسنا ولمنا انفسنا ولمنا انفسنا وَإِن لَمْ تَخْفِلْ لَنَا وَتَرْحَمْنَا لَنَكُونَنَّ مِنَ الْخَاسِرِينَ لَا إِلَهَ إِلَّا اللَّهُ الْحَلِيمُ الْكَرِيمُ سبحان الله رب العرش العظيم الحمد لله رب العالمين نسألك موجبات رحمتك وعزائم مغفرتك والغنيمة من كل بر والسلامة من كل إثم 
اللهم لا تدع لنا ذنبا إلا غفرته ولا هما إلا فرجته ولا حاجة هي لك رضا إلا قضيتها ويسرتها يا أرحم الراحمين يا أرحم الراحمين يا أكرم الأكرمين يا راحم المساكين يا أرحم الراحمين ربنا لا تآخذنا إن نسينا أو أخطأنا ربنا ولا تحمل علينا إسرا كما حملته على الذين من قبلنا ربنا ولا تحملنا ما لا طاقة لنا به وعف عنا واخف لنا وارحمنا أنت مولانا فانصرنا على القوم الكافرين إله العالمين يا الله most merciful most gracious most kind most loving Allah Allah forgive us, Ya Allah. Ya Allah, forgive all our major and minor sins, Ya Allah. Ya Allah, forgive our families, Ya Allah. Forgive our friends and relatives, Ya Allah. Ya Allah, forgive the entire ummah of Rasulullah, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. Ya Allah, shower your maghfirat on the ummah, Ya Allah. Forgive the sins of the ummah, Ya Allah. Ya Allah, remove the pain and suffering of the ummah, Ya Allah. Ya Allah, we acknowledge whatever is happening is due to our amal, Ya Allah. Forgive us, Ya Allah. Forgive the Ummah, Ya Allah. Ya Allah, change the conditions for the better, Ya Allah. Ya Allah, remove all the difficulties and hardships, Ya Allah. Ya Allah, protect us from all the fitna and fasad, Ya Allah. Protect us from all the fitna and fasad, Ya Allah. Ilahul Alameen, Ya Allah, keep us steadfast of deen, Ya Allah. Ya Allah, protect the iman and amal of every Muslim, Ya Allah. Protect the life, wealth and honor of every Muslim, Ya Allah. Ilahul Alameen, keep us steadfast on deen, Ya Allah. Ya Allah, keep us steadfast on the amal of deen, Ya Allah. Ya Allah, save us from the ways of the Yahud and Nasara, Allah. Ya Allah, grant us the ittiba of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Ya Allah, enable us to follow the mubarak footsteps of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam in every aspect of life, Ya Allah. Ilahul alameen, Ya Allah. Ya Allah, grant us his beautiful and noble akhlaq, Ya Allah. Grant us his beautiful mu'asharat, Ya Allah. Enable us to conduct our mu'amalat in his beautiful lifestyle, Ya Allah. Ya Allah, enable us to make every aspect of our life in accordance to his sunnah, Ya Allah. Ilahul alameen, Ya Allah. Ya Allah, you save us from all the evils and vices, Ya Allah. Purify our hearts, Ya Allah. Purify our hearts, Ya Allah. Ya Allah, remove all the evil qualities from our hearts, Ya Allah. Fill our hearts with all the noble qualities, Ya Allah. Fill our hearts with your muhabbat, Ya Allah. Fill our hearts with the love of Rasulullah, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. Fill our hearts with the love of his deen, Ya Allah. Fill our hearts with the love of the amal of deen, Ya Allah. Fill our hearts with the love of the efforts of deen, Ya Allah. Ya Allah, accept us and our families and our progeny till Qiyamah for the efforts of deen with ikhlas and afiyat, Ya Allah. Ilahul Alameen, Ya Allah, all those who have, Ya Allah, any kind of difficulties and hardships, remove it with afiyat, Ya Allah. All those who are sick, give them shifa, kamila, ajila, mustamira, daima. Ilahul Alameen, Ya Allah, those who are in financial problems, remove it with afiyat, Ya Allah. Grant barakat in each one's rizq, Ya Allah. Grant halal and tayyib rizq, Ya Allah. Save some every drop and grain of haram, Ya Allah. Ilahul Alameen, all those who have passed away from our families throughout the ummad, Ya Allah, make their complete maghfirat, Ya Allah. Grant them the high stages in the akhirat, Ya Allah. Ya Allah, at the time of our death, take us with La ilaha illallah, Muhammadur Rasulullah. Ya Allah, take us on iman kamil, Ya Allah. Take us on tawbat and nasuh, Ya Allah. Ya Allah, take us at the time that you are pleased with us and we are pleased with you, Ya Allah. <coughs> ya Allah, make our qabr's gardens of Jannah for us, Ya Allah. Grant us the shafaat of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Ya Allah, give us jannatul for those without any reckoning, Ya Allah. Ilahul alamin, we don't deserve anything, Ya Allah. Ya Allah, we acknowledge we don't deserve anything, Ya Allah. We are most unworthy, Ya Allah. Ya Allah, we have blatantly broken your commands, Ya Allah. Ya Allah, our hearts are so filled with every vice and sin, Ya Allah. Ya Allah, we have ignored the Mubarak way of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. We have ignored his Mubarak sunnah, Ya Allah. We have taken the ways of the Yahud and Nasara, Ya Allah. Our hearts have become like this, Ya Allah. Our lifestyle has become like this, Ya Allah. Ya Allah, forgive this major sin of ours, Ya Allah. 
Allah bring us back onto the sunnah of Rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam. Allah, but despite us not deserving anything and despite us being unworthy, Allah, Allah, you forgive us, Allah. Allah, you take us with iman, Allah, and grant us jannatul firdaus without any reckoning, Allah. Ilahul alamin, make us your true and loyal servants, Allah. Make us your obedient servants, Allah. Ilahul alamin, all the work of deen taking place accepted, Allah. Make it a means of hidayat spreading, Allah. Ilahul alamin, the upcoming istimas accepted, Allah. Make it a means of hidayat for one and all, Allah. Ilahul alamin, Allah. Allah, whatever we asked for, Allah, grant that as well, Allah. What we have not asked for and should be asking, Allah, give us that as well, Allah. And each one who has raised his hands to this dua, Ya Allah, all those who asked us to make dua, Allah, you fulfill each one's jai's needs from the grave, Ya Allah. Fulfill each one's pious aspirations, Ya Allah. Remove each one's difficulties and hardships, Ya Allah. Allahumma inna nasaluka min khayri ma sa'adaka minhu nabiyuka wa habibuka sayyiduna Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. ونعوذ بك من شر ما استعاذك منه نبيك وحبيبك سيدنا محمد صلى الله عليه وسلم أنت المستعان وعليك البلاغ ولا حول ولا قوة إلا بالله العلي العظيم وصلى الله تعالى على خير خلقه سيدنا محمد وآله وصحبه معين والحمد لله